Welcome, friends. Welcome. Threadlings. To another delicious episode of Check Your Threading. That's the podcast that you're listening to right now. That's this one. And if anybody else has taken that name, I will light them on fire. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So uh, every two weeks, your hosts watch a movie, do some homework, and then create this podcast, um, which serves up history, psychology, perspective, art, I don't know, funny stuff. (laughs) Some lols. <laughs> yeah, some lols <laughs> on this on this film. So our goal with this project is to talk about movies in a way that is accessible to everyone because we believe that art is for everyone. That's right. Am I right? Here, yeah. here. Yes. So I'm Sam. Um, <laughs> I scared the crap out of Lauren a couple of days ago. When I verbally reacted to a picture of a young Mass Mikkelsen mm. um, picture, and I think you thought I had like broken my finger or something. It yes. was that intense. Yeah, I thought you were very upset. We were on the phone together, and uh, it's my fault <laughs> because I left it there for you to find. But I wasn't. I just wasn't anticipating that level of response. So really, you know good job honestly <laughs> uh and i'm lauren uh and i'm working on a puzzle right now from the magic puzzle company uh and it's making me realize how hard puzzles are on your body and i think that we should have like an iron man style puzzle table where it's like vertical on the wall and you can like stand in front of it and drag the pieces around Ooh. that's my that's my million dollar idea I wonder if somebody already has done that. But if not, you should totally patent that shit. Yeah, I haven't searched, but I am I am into it. So this week we're watching John Wick. Nice. Mew, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> as, uh, John as, Wick. As part of Pet Month. <laughs> yes. Because nobody loves pets more than John Wick. That's right. So, um... It's a uh, 2014 action thriller directed by Chad Stahelski and David Litch, or Leach, uh, starring Keanu Reeves, Michael Nykvist, and Alfie Allen. It won a shitload of stunt awards. Hmm. Like all, I didn't know that there was a an award show for stunt. Are they called people? Stunties? But it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, that's what I'm going to call them from now on. <laughs> And then it won the biggest surprise award at the Golden Schmoes. What are what is that? I don't know what the Golden Schmoes are. I just okay. looked at the IMDb. Okay, all right. And that was on there. What an honor. Yeah, so the IMDb sum sum is an ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that killed his dog and took everything from him. Okay. I feel like everything is his car, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. Outside of the dog, like, what else did they take? You know? Well, that's like, all he has. He has nothing left to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about things? Okay, things. Lauren. I've got some things for you. Okay. Um, so I wanted to talk about minimalism. Uh, and I, I know that that is an odd 
thing to focus on for a pet-themed conversation, but if you'll stick with me, I will come around to a point. (laughs) Okay. So uh, minimalism uh, is an art, architecture, and design movement that began in the 1950s-ish, depending on Mm -hmm. who you ask, uh, as an offshoot of abstract art. So the idea is that you take the simplest possible version of something and you sometimes interpret it very literally. Um, Some people theorize that this was a response to the urbanification of culture in general, like globally. Mm, Uh, For for example, in Japan, minimalist architecture became popular in the 1980s when their cities started to experience rapid expansion, like all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, The extremely bare, simple aesthetic was like a counterbalance to the brash visual advertising and the chaotic and quickly built architecture and the imposing urban sprawl, that that kind Mm. of thing. And we do see that in John Wick as a film. The house he lives in at the beginning is um, minimalist architecture and interior design. And it has very simple lines. It's a very clean space. Uh, There are even some coffee table books that sort of wink at some famous minimalist architects. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And even his hiding space, his cement floor full of guns, Uh, is an extremely minimalist hiding mechanism compared to, like, say, like, the electronic panels that flip open in your closet, like, James Bond style, you know? Totally. Yeah. There's also a relationship between minimalist architecture and glass that I find really interesting, Um, Hmm. both in terms of its attempts to use as few materials as possible, um, but also to make spaces seem open and accessible to each other. Oh, sure. So the, the glass in modern architecture is supposed to be invisible or a portal for natural light or into nature. Um, John has a lot of great glass in his house, which is obviously very fun for a fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> but it also gives you sort of an interesting sense of him being exposed and visible, but at no point in that scene do you think that he's going to lose. <laughs> That's true. So I think it's uh, like he's the master of that space, even even with its transparency. Yeah. Um, in the wake of his grief, getting Daisy also plays an interesting role in minimalism uh, in many of its forms. Uh, The intention of minimalism is to focus on nature or life. So, for example, minimalist architecture, including John's house, often focuses on allowing more natural light um, and making space for landscaping to be interwoven with the structure of the home. Uh, But the only time that we see John in nature, so to speak, is when he's at the cemetery for his wife's burial. So for all intents and purposes, Daisy in and of herself is the representation of nature being let into the home and let into his life. Right. So at the same time, there's this sort of inherent chaos in pet ownership. um, Yes. That I think anyone who owns a pet knows. Um, And I think that John's wife chooses this sort of chaos for him. Um, If we're seeing John in his most emotionally minimal state, like after her death, she's Mm -hmm. the one who's sort of saying, okay, maybe minimalism isn't all there is. And and when he admits Daisy in his life, he's admitting chaos and he's committing to it. Um, (laughs) So even after Daisy is killed, he commits to that chaos because that's the commitment you make as a, that's the commitment you make to a pet. So we get this kind of great juxtaposition of minimalism against a very real love 
and trying to understand how you can hold those two things simultaneously. That's interesting. The, uh, the chaos continues even after Daisy is gone. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's sort of the premise for the whole movie, but it's like, you know, arguably it is. it begins with him allowing that to come into his life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that that's my little uh, that's my little tour of minimalism, and and I hope that that uh, ties into what you're about to tell us with world building, maybe a little bit. Yes, it absolutely does. Okay. Um, so I'm only going to focus. We're only focusing on the first movie, and in fact, we haven't even seen the second or third films, um, kind of to preserve the integrity of the the first film. Yes. Yeah. So. Part of what I love about John Wick is the simplicity of the story, which is, in a way, kind of what you're talking about with the minimalism. We're presented with a a very straightforward plot from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and although it's peppered with elements that create a more that create more elaborate details within that story. It's still a very simple narrative that never really wavers. Yeah, totally. The stunning action sequences and the killing spree that you're totally ready to watch. It starts with a few assholes pulling a breaking and entering move and then killing a puppy. And that's literally like even that in and of itself is a minimalist start to the uh, world opening up you know yeah it's almost like what's the bare minimum level of motive are you willing to accept as a viewer exactly and then i kind of feel like in the first film the simplicity and the minimalism continues with the world building around the the story we're watching which like it doesn't spoon feed us every detail of why it is the way it is Mm mm-hmm it's considering us smart enough to be able to connect the dots, you know? Totally. Um, especially with things like the gold coins. We're never told what they do. We're just shown eventually what they use the gold coins for. Or or even the way he's uh, welcomed into the Continental and given his room, um, which kind of lets us know that he's been there how many times before, and he knows how it all works, and they know that he knows that. Right, and there's, right. You know, everyone knows his name, and uh, they know who he is slash was they kind of know everything about him in a way and why he quit and it's it doesn't need to be dragged out more than that it's a very like easy quick way to establish who he is in this world which i love definitely and in contrast to that the show not tell i also love the learning of who he is and who he was before through these stories that you hear the gangsters telling so john wick is a man you don't want to fuck with (laughs) right and like all these tales that come out of these russian mobsters about like how he he killed three men with a pencil right right totally and i hope we get to see that in the future but it's not something that we see then it's just a story and it it comes on the tales of like you are so fucked my kid is fucked yes because he fucked with the wrong guy yes you know totally yeah so moving into another aspect of this um john wick is inspired 
inspired by Usha, which is a genre of Chinese fiction centering around the adventures of martial artists in ancient China. Okay. Or pre-modern China. Okay. I found a summary of the hero character and kind of what who he is and what he does from the wiki page. So I'm just going to download it to you right now. Oh, like, like the Matrix? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. The the main character in Usha fiction do not typically serve a lord, wield military power, or belong to the aristocratic class. They often originate from the lower social classes of ancient Chinese society. A code of chivalry usually requires Usha heroes to right and redress wrongs, fight for righteousness, remove oppressors, and bring retribution for past misdeeds. Okay. So the typical Usha storyline goes like this. A male protagonist experiences a tragic event, uh, usually something that costs the lives of loved ones, and then that tragedy sets the character on a path of struggle that becomes the main plot of the story. Okay, we can check all that off. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) So often the climax involves the hero using his skills uh, to defeat high-level members of the Hu, which is a sort of outlaw sect of martial artists who are often just being dicks to the locals or other people, you know, oppressing people. For funsies. Right. Okay. (laughs) And so all of this, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's like this is John Wick to a T. Check, check, check. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's there's another element to Usha, which is important to my next point. Mm Mm-hmm which is the hero's supernaturally epic fighting skills. Ah, okay. And an equally fantastical ability to use Qin Kung, which is also known as light skill, Mm -hmm. to overcome gravity, Okay, which allows them to do things like fly through the air or skim over the surface of water or climb walls of tall buildings by like running up them. I'm sure you might remember seeing these elements in films like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon or Hero. Absolutely. So Chin Kung is a martial art. It's a real martial art, uh, which looks similar to parkour and is one of the elements that works seamlessly within gun-fu films. Okay. So these kinds of movies were popularized by the Chinese filmmaker John Wu. (laughs) Who we love. Yes, Wait, have we talked about that on here yet? I don't know. I feel like we did, but now I can't remember. Fucking doves? All right, well, we're going to get there. Just wait, everybody. (laughs) Fucking doves. (laughs) So John Wu's first gunfu movie was the 1986 Hong Kong film A Better Tomorrow. Okay. And it just like went on from there. Um, so the wiki article best sums it up saying gunfu is a quote sophisticated close quarters gunfight resembling a martial arts battle that combines firearms with hand-to-hand combat and traditional melee weapons in an approximately 50-50 ratio. Okay. I mean, I know I already made a joke about The Matrix, but, like, I feel like that's, like, the big one for our generation, right? Absolutely, okay. yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but I also enjoyed this description in a Vulture article I read, wherein Kevin Lincoln describes Wu as having mixed, quote, the elegance and precision of kung fu with the brutality and violence of gangster movies. Mm. And the genre therein that came from all this is called heroic bloodshed 
or Hong Kong Blood Opera. Oh my God, Hong! Why would you call it anything if you could call it Hong Kong Blood Opera? <laughs> right. That's awesome. So the American Western also has influenced the Gun Fu film. Okay. Um, in that same article, Lincoln referenced our old friend Sam Peckinpah. Oh, we love him. <laughs> Sam Peckinpah essentially invented the modern gunfight in the Wild Bunch. And then John Woo took the iconography of the Western gunfights and, quote, heightened it to a point where the weaponized combat became an art in and of itself. Yes, I love that. Right? Yes. And yet, through all these beautiful choreographed fight scenes and special effects, at its core, the film is still like this very simple story of loss and grief, which could be based in ancient China or even in modern times. Like, it's such a classic, like, timeless story, you know? This is really interesting to me because one of the things that I was reading about as, like, a frequent criticism of minimalist art is that it's, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, not about anything, And I think that that is also frequently a criticism of action movies, that they're not about anything. And and I feel like this is an example of like, you're super wrong (laughs) in in both in both contexts. Like this is a minimalist film that is an action movie, but it's definitely about something. Oh, yeah, totally. And I know we talk like I feel like we've made a lot of fridging jokes on this podcast. And if not, we definitely make them to each other. But like this isn't knowing that it falls into the trappings of like a traditional Chinese story makes it feel mm-hmm. way less like a fridging and more like, you know, we're making this gesture to follow a, a traditional format. Yeah. It can still be fridging, but it's just a more traditional kind of fridging. Yeah. It's time honored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's question time then. Okay. All right. Um, Okay, so question time is when we ask each other questions that um, the other person has not had a chance to prepare for. Uh, And I was going to ask you, as someone who has cared for many dogs professionally, worked in a in a dog uh, related dog adjacent career. (laughs) Yeah. What breed of dog would you pick for John Wick and why? Well, I think personally, the dog he gets at the end is definitely more of a dog that will be able to deal with any shit that he gets into. Oh, sure. Like that, that dog was walking him at the <laughs> end. <laughs> yes. I was like, this dog knows what it's about. Um, I also think that a, uh, I, th- the issue is that no matter what dog John Wick has, I know that that dog is taken care of. That's not an issue. That's beautiful. No, I mean, I mean that. That that's what I mean. Is like it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, I I was half expecting him to take all the dogs home from that <laughs> one scene. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are they just gonna keep making John Wick movies and he gets like a new dog every movie? Like, not because anything bad has happened to the other one, but like, right? He just keeps collecting dogs. Yeah, exactly. The stinger on every movie is him like paying the pet sitter from like wherever he's been. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> i mean it does they're funny movies they have comedy <laughs> they do and and uh. so much of that is us underestimating keanu reeves's ability to like bring it yeah like, totally he's a funny guy yeah he really is okay so i've got a question for you okay good if you were to key <laughs> <laughs> if you were to keanu <laughs> <laughs> 
If you were to cast Keanu in any movie, like even if it's been made already, what movie would it be? Any movie. Any movie, (laughs) even if it's already been made, even if it's not been made. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Um... I'm going to need a minute with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Take all the time you need. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing. We know that Keanu Reeves can make action movies. He's really good at them. I enjoy watching mm-hmm. them. A plus. Correct. Yes. I think that Keanu Reeves has gotten a massively bum rap for the movies that he made in the 90s and early 2000s that were either romances or period dramas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like his role in the Dracula movie. And I think he's in either, I don't know, he's in some movie with Emma Thompson, I think, where they're, everyone's running around wearing breeches. Like, oh, sure. you know, and, and everyone's like, oh, your English accent. Oh, everything is terrible, whatever. But like, I mean. here's my thing. Keanu Reeves can act, okay? It's not like he uh-huh. can't act. So he just did Always Be My Maybe for Netflix. Sure. And it's, again, like he's playing himself in that. So like, it's a comedy, but it's a rom-com. So I feel like we need more Keanu Reeves rom-coms because Ah. he really enjoys himself when he's doing them. (laughs) And I think that he has moved into a new phase of his life where he could easily be like how we were awkwardly cramming like Bruce Willis into like romantic leading man roles, like late, Uh you know, what, well into his like 40s and 50s but like Keanu Reeves is still attractive you know what I mean yeah (laughs) so like I want I want like a renaissance of Keanu Reeves movies where he is playing soft roles definitely I want to see him as a dad yes totally show me Keanu Reeves as a dad I don't want like weird 90s like awkward comedies I want like Mm -hmm. good modern Something with a lesson, something where he gets to, like, actually be himself and and enjoy himself a little bit. He's great at making an extremely serious face, but, like, (laughs) let's do do some of the other stuff because he's great at that, too. And he's, you know, very attractive when he smiles, so. Absolutely. I also think of um, the hidden gem of Keanu Reeves movies, which is My Own Private Idaho. Oh, sure. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good in that, and... It's not on anybody's top five because it's not an action movie. But totally. my goodness. Totally. He, he was brilliant. Yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And that that also, I think, unfairly gets like shoehorned as like, you know, it ends up on lists for like queer cinema, but like nothing else. And it's like, OK, yeah. but it, like it's a great movie like outside of that or at least at least an important movie outside of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think um, he's clearly found his niche and like bravo. <laughs> But uh, at this point, I feel like he can just do whatever he wants. So, like, you know, <laughs> let's see some more some more fun stuff. Definitely. Ugh, bless him. Well, um, wonderful question. Thank you for making me have to think so hard. <laughs> of course. Uh, what um, what takeaways do you have to share with me? My my first takeaway that isn't really unique, but I, I think it's worth mentioning when we talk about John Wick is that he never hurts or kills uh, civilians mm. or innocents. Mm-hmm. Like, never, ever. Yeah. It's a part of the Usha code. Okay, nice. Okay. And I cannot, my second takeaway is that I cannot tell you 
exactly how much fun I had researching my gun fu portion. <laughs> okay. So I feel like I need to find another episode to continue because I had so much research done and there's only so much time we have each episode. So I'm going to slide it into a next episode somewhere. All right. Well, well I, I feel like we have an action movie month coming up at some point. So maybe we can pick a, a gun fu movie for that. Yeah. How about your takeaways, friend? Um, I feel like we talked about this a little bit when we were watching the movie, but like it really kept striking me. And this falls into your show don't tell thing. But like, you know how fucked these guys are. The whole, yeah. like from almost like the 10th or 15th minute of the movie. You were just <laughs> like, you guys are so fucked. And yeah. there's never a point throughout the movie where you think that he's going to lose. You know what I mean? Like that's where not you think Kia, uh, where you think John Wick is going to lose. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the dramatic tension in this doesn't come from, oh no, what if he doesn't like win the day or whatever. Right. It comes from somewhere else. And I think that's really like amazing and wonderful. Yeah. And it also, and what the, <laughs> this isn't like as deep as it sounds or as deep as this isn't as deep as I think it is. But, like, it doesn't make you any less sad about the dog dying. And I think that it's really, it's a very simple illustration of of the fact that you can have your revenge and it doesn't take away your grief. That's right. Like, this is still a man who's grieving for his wife and for, like, his lack of normalcy and, like, this thing that he won, that he worked really Mm -hmm. hard for. Um, And it's, I think it's great that it's, like, it's a a revenge movie without trying to say that the revenge solves the problem. That's right. And, And one other thing to go off what you're saying is how I really think it's refreshing to see the bosses showing fear, real fear. Totally, totally. Yeah, like they we, don't shy away from that. Yeah, we both really enjoy the 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 dad boss whose name I don't remember, just because of his like he does so much work to shore up John Wick's reputation early in the film, mm-hmm. and then it's just like he really elevates himself above the caricature of like the mob boss. Yeah, so that's right. Big fan. He's he's a step beyond what I'm used to with a mob boss. Yeah, yeah, totally. So. And then my only other takeaway is just like the the nerdery of the Flatiron Building uh, in New York. <laughs> As I was doing my research, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if there's anything about the Flatiron Building and its architecture that falls into like the modernist thing." But like, obviously, it's not modernist; it's um, something else. Uh, Maybe minimal. No, it's like it's some like fancy bullshit. But <laughs> but it's a triangle, and they intentionally chose the Flatiron Building because it's neutral ground and it ha- so mm-hmm. it should have more than two sides and i <laughs> and i just love the simplicity of that it's not like you're not on either the russian side or john wick's side there are more yeah. sides than that and i was like oh my god it's so simple i love it so yes yeah huge fan i didn't know that that's that's awesome yeah do you have anything else you'd like to share no i don't think so all right i think that's it right. for for this time Um, So next time we meet, Mm -hmm. we will be watching Keanu. Okay. Another pet movie. Another pet movie. Yes. It is not a parody of John Wick. No, that's what I was thinking it was going to be, but it's delightful. So I look forward to (laughs) discussing that with you. Yes. And, uh, and I also love the, the duality of us doing a dog movie and a cat movie. So same. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Shall I take us away? Please do. I mean, I'm sad it's over, but also that's why it, it's time. That's why there's sequels. It's okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
Thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Footnotes for every episode are available at checkyourthreading.com, and you can find us on Twitter at checkthreading or Instagram at checkyourthreading. You can also email us at checkyourthreadingpod at gmail.com. Until then, stay inside and watch a movie. Bye. Bye. Bye.